Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about planning for next year. So having that planning session and figuring out what's going to happen next year. In our spotlight, we're going to look at some new John Deere tech. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about the Federal Farm Loan Act of 1916. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll finish it all up with our Egg Idiom of the Week. So with me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So the undefeated Badgers remained undefeated over the weekend, and they uh, kind of, what's the right word, uh, stomped, destroyed, obliterated Michigan. It's always fun to watch a Harbaugh lose. Yeah. They beat them so bad they have to go into quarantine now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Grammy Heisman, he's, uh, it's it's awesome that the Badgers are as good as they are, and the best part is that they have a quarterback, so like, you know, it's, it's not like normally when we have this really good run game and everybody just says, well, we'll shut down the run game, and you still have to pass once in a while. Well, you know what? We can pass more than once in a while if we want to. Yeah. This weekend against Northwestern, so they're ranked 19th and we're 10th, so it should be a good matchup. The other nice thing is that uh, having a quarterback that's a, a Heisman candidate, I think he still is a Heisman candidate. It might be ho- it might be tough because well, uh, he's a freshman too, right? But, I, I mean, but still so he's having got chances a, later on. Having, too. but the attention that you have when you have a good quarterback, yeah, makes a big difference. It may, yeah. it gives us a better chance of making the playoff. That all that kind of stuff. I know I don't know if that's really in jeopardy because we miss games. I'm not sure, but if, yeah, if we miss any more games, we're, we're right. Done. I think three was the yeah the limit or whatever. Yeah. So and, and let's be real, we've only played two games, so right. against nobody's. Yeah, but, so, but we look like a real yeah, football team. Yeah. No, we destroyed them. Like, like we run and throw the ball. It's crazy. And we play defense too. Yeah. So <laughs> like that. Like that a lot. And then the big showdown will be against Indiana, which is also interesting because usually you don't think of Indiana as a big ten the, powerhouse. The Hoosiers, football, yeah. Yeah. A football. The Ho- they're they're basketball guys. Yeah. No, they're they're like, ranked ninth yet. So like in the movie could, Hoosiers. Yeah. With Gene Ackman. Yeah, it's crazy for Indiana to be ranked in front of Wisconsin, but uh, we'll fix that. I said this year has just been all sorts of crazy. Twenty twenty, what more could you ask for? Remember when Nebraska was all like, "Oh, we're gonna miss this game, and it's gonna jeopardize our chances at the playoff." And then they've have they won one game now. I don't know what they have, they haven't done. They that suck. Did, yeah, did, no, they were terrible. Someone yeah. tell Nebraska it's not nineteen ninety two anymore. I, th- I think they won this last weekend because I remember seeing something on Twitter where somebody's like, yeah, Nebraska football win. It's like, woohoo, that's like a blue moon once <laughs> once every so many years. Yeah, they got destroyed by Ohio State. Classic. Lost to Northwestern, beat Penn State. That's Yeah, it was yeah Penn, Penn State's State. surprisingly Which, bad this it's year. It's really weird that Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State are bad. Ohio State's still always Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, Ohio State's Ohio State, yeah. But you're right. There's definitely a changing of the guard right now. When Indiana is ranked second in the Big Ten, that's crazy. Yeah, they're uh, they're good. But even bigger news is our Milwaukee Bucks. They're making, making some, moves, some moves, some splashing. Drew picked up Drew Holiday from the Pelicans. That was pretty big. Be nice support for King Giannis and K Mid, and then uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the from the Kings, which I guess is in jeopardy. Yeah, potentially that could have fallen through. We haven't seen anything definitive yet. I don't, if you know, if it falls, I would like Bogdanovich, but if it falls through, we get DiVincenzo back. So, well, I'll take it. 
it is interesting they're giving up like three guys to the one plus picks for one guy. But in a way, we were so deep before, but that doesn't help you in the playoffs. That doesn't yeah, win well, playoff. We were deep games. with a bunch of guys who could play, but we weren't deep with a bunch of guys who should be playing in NBA playoff yeah. games, you know? Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah. And they they drafted last night. They drafted uh drafted um Yeah, a couple pretty good shooters last night. Yeah, yep. Um a forward and a guard both can shoot pretty good, so the big I think the big news for the draft, at least locally, was uh Tyrese Halliburton getting taken. Yeah, um, like ninth overall yeah, or something. From, he's from Oshkosh. I don't know if you guys remember when he was in high school. It was a pretty no. he was it was a pretty big deal. He's pretty good. But uh yeah, that was big. It was it was cool to see uh and then he tweeted out after he got drafted, like nine to oh to the league or something like nice. that. That was awesome. Like he didn't oh his his um inside his uh jacket, his uh suit jacket said like nine two oh born or something like really? that. Really? So, yeah, nine two oh born. He's nice. pretty pro- he's, represent. I mean, he's the first NBA player to come from this area, so he's for a long ways. I mean yeah. Milwaukee's maybe had a couple, Madison's had a couple, but otherwise, I mean it's he had Brian Butch in the area who does who did well, but he wasn't necessarily a he wasn't a top ten draft NBA. pick, I know no. that for sure. Yeah. Terry Porter went to point, but I don't remember where he's from in the state. If he's from like Milwaukee area or where Yeah. So that was cool. And it was cool that like I said, it was really cool that he still showed a lot of like showed a lot of love for the people for back the home. Yeah, yeah, he was that was awesome. So I hope he does really well. That'd be cool. It would be pretty cool. All right. You guys are ready to do this? Yeah. <clears throat> so hopefully you've ended your growing season. I know there's still a few combines. Past the combine this morning, heading out. You're at kind least of, wrapping up, right? You're yeah. in like the you're in the you fourth can, quarter, maybe see, overtime. It's the dry know. corn, hopefully is all you got left, not soybeans or anything yeah. else. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's oh, yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. Got to have a little bit of deer season combine in, right? Yep. Put the rifle in the cab and yeah. get out there and wait for him to jump out of the corn. Yep. 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 So it it is really nice to be at the end of the season and it's on November 19th because last year, I think on November 19th, I was still chopping corn. Yeah. No, it was, we were, yeah, a month behind at least last year this time. So, and a lot wetter. I mean, we had some rain recently, but at least. It's not like every day, all day, like it was last year. So Right. So, yeah, good time to start talking about next year, having that planning session to figure out, okay, where where are we going, what's what's going, what's working, what's not. So Yeah, I feel like Thanksgiving's the true farming New Year almost. Like it marks the kind of done I, with last year going. I, I mean, Christmas too sort of does and the normal New Year does, but it just seems like. We're already talking about next year when you harvest do you and kind of plan. Do you it think out. it's Thanksgiving or do you think it's deer season around here that actually? Does sure, it? I think it might be actually deer be deer season because I think <laughs> a lot of guys wait and like, okay, we're gonna combine Friday before deer season because that's when we want to combine like, max maximize our deer push potential. <laughs> you know, I I, I do. It I, amazes me in far like I know you two guys deer hunt and we I don't deer hunt and it it amazes me on the farming side how there's it's just still both camps. There's guys that, like, I grew up and Grandpa was like, oh, we're in the barn. We don't got time to be out, you know, shooting deer. So it was some, some other, guys. Other guys are adjusting them. milking times to make sure they right. get out and hunt. Get out and hunt. Or, okay, you take the morning and I take the afternoon. We're just going to have to split it up because, you know. Yeah, it's cool. It. I don't come from a hunting family because of. Oh, um, you don't, Max? No, because of, because of um, 
Because okay. yeah. of farming. I mean, yeah. my grandpa never had time, and my dad obviously never had time. So um, I don't know if they have a whole lot of interest either, but, you know, they never had time, so I never tried it. So right. uh, the closest thing they had was they shot foxes in the hen house with 22. <laughs> I mean, that was it. I, that was it. So they don't they don't quite they don't quite get it but yeah it's um and then like you say you go on other farms and they're like adjusting crop plans to make sure that they have good deer habitat late in the season you know it's it's crazy yeah no it is interesting that that division that exists but it's great now that um we're this far along that or getting to the end of our growing season that we can actually take some of our decisions that we made, we actually have yield data to, to show like, Hey, we, we made the decision. So that's why I kind of wanted to talk this through a little bit because, you know, this spring, even, you know, go all the way back to doing spring tillage. We said, Hey, should we just hit it with the field cultivator once? Or should we hit it with a field cultivator and a, and a, a vertical till? Should we not touch it at all? Like all that stuff. Like I think at least last week, right in the combine, I actually saw some really good, like, indications of hey we we made the right decision or we made the wrong decision on tillage um for the most part we made the right one so i was that was good (laughs) that was really good i guess but you know like i said now all of a sudden this week we have some some real clarity we aren't just well it looks good it looks like we did a good job we actually have the that yield data to really nail that down and and hopefully we got um a couple weeks here through the holiday kind of get your data aligned and then go into your planning session prepared and, and ready to have some true, some uh, numbers behind your decisions. Yeah, no, it's always good to have that, that kind of time to look things over and you got all winter now to consider your plan of attack. But every year it seems earlier, we've already got guys that have their seed orders in even before they finish taking crops off. Yeah, that's so, hard. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it, it could be hard to, you know, your variety might already be there. And usually the, Seed companies are pretty good about switching stuff around if there's availability and for certain stuff. So I know Thanksgiving week we always kind of have our meetings with the seed companies and see what uh, what they can say about their varieties, what they've seen in plots. And this year, like last year when we did this, hardly any plots have been off. Wrong. Now I would hope almost all pretty of them much are off. off. Yep. Yeah, this is an exciting time of year where you get to kind of Usually the UW plot book comes out around Thanksgiving that week, so that's always like a little bit of Christmas morning for me, where you get to, <laughs> when that email comes through that 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 uh, <laughs> that you can go check out what variety. Yeah, you know, you're raising agronomy house. <laughs> yeah. the, the, it's the cr- like sweet the UW research is out, so that'll most, be good. Most kids look for the Fleet Farm Toyland yeah, catalog. Toyland, yeah. yeah, but that comes but, out in August, so it's not even like. At least the plot book or the the plot, yeah, the plot data book. It's at least in the Christmas holiday season. Yeah, the Toyland came out in like August this year. Now, did your kids get the Amazon toy book? I don't remember. If my we, kids are. My did. kids didn't. Oh, no, we, we got the target that. the target one. I don't remember if yeah, we got the Amazon. The target one, one was awesome because that one actually had prices in it, whereas the Amazon one just shows you stuff, sure, and gets you all jacked up, and then you look at what it costs. No, so the lot of plots coming out. Um, good thing, good time to sort of just take your time, look through relevant data. You know that's relevant for your farm. Look for similar soil types to your farm. Look for obviously day lengths that you're interested in, and and kind of good time of year too to to just think back and plan out what what sort of league you want to be in with day lengths. Uh, reassess that every year is always good. Is okay. I had. You know, some especially 
In the past couple of years, we've been sort of ratcheting back day links, which I think was good. Um, but have we sort of ratcheted back just enough where, okay, I'm now down into a 92 to 98 day range and I'm, I'm good there. I didn't get burned on anything too wet or too dry or, or kind of reassess that. Well, and hopefully you either save seed tags or remember what you planted so you can see, you know, if it fell on its face for you, you can look at those plots too and say, okay, it's winning plots other places. And then you can, like you said, look at soil type. You know, maybe maybe this just isn't the one for me. Yeah. Maybe I should look at, okay, in this soil type, this day length is similar and it was doing good. So So what, what was your guys' silver bullet this year? What was the what was the best decision you made all season that did everything? One it it saved the farm for you because I know there's got to be one right <laughs> one decision just makes or breaks the farm. No, I I I say that as a joke, but I do think that one of the big things that we learned this year um, that I was really impressed with was the um, the enlist platform. I was very happy with how it performed, and I thought it did a really good job. And and I see it as a really good tool going forward. And not sometimes when new technology comes out you're a little like leery of, okay, do, do we really have all the data to say that this is going to perform for us? And I think this one, I firsthand, we got to see that. Yeah. I think, I think this is ready. This belongs on the marketplace now. Yeah. I think you got to look at that as a look at it plots again too on soybeans, because some of the varieties maybe aren't as strong on white mold or didn't yep. do as well. But Max is right as, as a whole, it, it did better, especially because it got sort of thrown in the big leagues sort of quick. Right away. Like you know, the, it was like we took a... Trial by fire. Yeah, we took like a single A player and like, hey, you're, you're, well, s- you're starting today. You're the starting pitcher in the in the playoffs. And it it did fine. If you want to look at it this way, when Extend came out, I knew of like one or two farms that had a field of it. And like Enlist, I had multiple farms at the entire farm. They decided they were going to plant Enlist. Like, right. So it was not like, a, oh, we're going to dip our toe in the water right. here and we'll see. It was like, we're going. This is yeah. this is the avenue we want. And it didn't it didn't completely backfire. So, right. I, you know, that was a, that's a thing going forward that I think, you know, you can put a little bit of stock in that, hey, this is. This is a good time to look at, you know, herbicide plan for next year. And the reason being is because a lot of the varieties we plant choose our herbicide plans and with extend being back for next year, um, you know, that lineup's still available, still good. And as long as you know how you're going to spray it next year, I think that's still good options. The new extend flex platform brings some interesting new options too, where you got the Liberty link gene in with it. So I think um, this is a good time to sort of look at herbicide um, pluses and minuses, especially while you're combining you, you can see right out there in the field, the results of, did my program work this year or not? And one thing I would say is we did have some grass problems in corn. Oh, yeah. Yep. That it just, I've been blaming it on just the thinner populations that when we had cold conditions, we didn't get as good of emergence in May and the stands were a lot thinner. And so it just, the corn didn't do its job. Uh, but there, you know, that's not always the case and you can't just totally blame well, we, it on We had that. enough early moisture that, we saw stuff break early. Yep. Um, and you get in that position where it's like, all right, you're you're either in between where you can spray things, or you're just past that marker of like, well, we could spray, but we're it's a little late. Just got to get that corn to grow, and then the corn stops. 
and it waves at you and says, hey. I, I think we had a, um, early on, because it was colder, I think some of the grass herbicides struggled a little bit to get a true kill. I think they definitely yep. dinged some things, stunted some grass, and we kind of moved on. And we're like, okay, we got it. And then it, a month later, it got warm, and it was like, ooh, maybe we didn't get the kill we thought we did. And now it's, you know, the corn's six feet tall, and we can't really go back and do anything about it. And I, I saw it in hay fields where we tried to spray off grass that because of the cold temperatures, it had a hard time, and then we didn't get the kill we wanted. But with a hay field, the thing is, you have another opportunity Yep. And you're going to also cut it, so you're going to hopefully help that alfalfa work in front of the grass. So in a cornfield, you had that that hard time killing, but we don't get to go back and spray it again. Use sometimes, and you're not going to cut. You're not cutting it every 30 days, knocking that grass back. So I think uh, I think that's contributed to the the grass problems this year too. Well, and it's a good thing to look at what you're using if you're doing a pre-emerge, like in soybeans or even corn. Um, you know, there are some that are better on grasses than others. Some of that have, you know, that's their weak point is grass. So, you know, it wasn't there initially. Looked like it was doing a good job. When it came on late, it, it may not even have broke. It's just that it just didn't have the right components. to. One thing to back. think about when we're talking about kind of what, where we failed this year is on this particular instance is did the herbicide fail or did our crop, I mean, our crop canopy is still our herbicide, yep. uh, still our weed control. The herbicide just sort of holds it till your crop gets big enough. Um, and one thing to note is it really was across programs that your duels, your acetochlorers, um, you know, in all the premixes, both of them failed in spots. So it wasn't, wasn't like, oh, that herbicide worked really well here and not other spots. It was sort of across the board. So that's one thing to look at, too, is as you're driving by your neighbor fields, I'm sure you see the same sort of grass problems that you had out in their fields too. So know that it wasn't just sort of one thing somebody did that worked and one thing somebody did that didn't work. Um, but for next year, it's still, I mean, we get a bad grass here this year. We're probably going to have more of that hangover effect for next year too, that we're just going to have to plan on trying to um, just go after it. If that's with Roundup as a early post, if you do see it or have a little heavier rate of your pre-emerge. Another uh, thing that I've, that I've been doing this year, um, trying to get in, in preparation for that planning is, uh, um, for my guys that are completely co-op reliant, the co-op sprays, they get their chemical from a co-op. They only work with one co-op. They only, you know, it's all coming from one place. Um, rather than making a plan, then, tr- then talking to the co-op and saying, okay, here's what we want to do. And they tell you, Hey, we're not going to carry that product. We're not going to spray this, whatever, call them first and know what, know what you you at least have the options to work with and, and work back that way because it's frustrating to make a plan and then have it completely chewed up, spit out, and you have to go start over because, hey, we're switching. We don't carry any of those products anymore. We're going to go a different direction. Well, okay, well, you're, you are handcuffed at times by what they have. So um, I've been a little more proactive this year going, you know, calling the co-op saying, hey, what are you guys going to have? And we'll work from there. And, yeah. and that's been, that's something that, Last year, I pulled my hair out because I was making three plans because they were changing. And this year, I'm getting ahead of it. We got it figured out. Okay, now we'll build. Now we'll build our plan back from. Okay, these are your base where you're starting. Build your plan off this. And I, I think that's um, alleviated some pressure this year going into planning sessions. That is good too, Max. Is sometimes we look at sort of all the options out there, and I'm holding my arms big here, like as like 
we look at the whole thing, and this is a good time of year to pair back of what did work and what didn't work. So you can just sort of push the what didn't work out, and then what did you sort of keep in your toolbox and use again next year. Because it also isn't the time to change everything every year because that's right. not a yeah. good idea. So, um, and, and if you if you just go into your spray book and say, hey, I need a grass herbicide, you could spend you could get lost in that spray book for days. <laughs> yes. So just don't overthink it just yeah. go with what's go with what's working or what you have available and you, and you got to work off that and that's that's a really good way to not not overthink your plan and don't let your plan run you know don't let one plan run your entire life because you know we got to find a new grass herbicide this one didn't work yeah you know just relax relax look around take a second breathe and go from there yeah, and I think we've all seen, you know, it's it's year dependent too with herbicides. You, it fell on its face this year, but maybe next year it would work fine. So as you're making that decision, if you don't have a lot of options, um, don't despair either. If you've got to try the same thing again, because you know, obviously coming out of two really wet years, now this year for some of us, I mean, some parts of Wisconsin were on the wetter side even through the end of summer. They were getting more rains. You know, in our area, we weren't. We it shut off in yep. July, and then yep. we stayed Late dry. August was dry. So, I, I had a farm tell me yesterday they finished combining, and they said, "Yeah, yield on this wasn't as great." But we looked at our records, and they, I think he said they went sixty-two days without rain. Yeah, yep. And they're like, so a little dip in yield on sixty-two days without rain on some light sandy soils. He's like, "That's pretty much. That's pretty good, actually." Yeah. So. Yeah, you f- we kind of forget because it has rained the last like two weeks. It's been relatively wet. You kind of forget we went sixty two days with no rain. Yeah, no, no measure, no measurable rain. Right. I had a guy I was talking to, and he's like, "Yeah, I thought ours was was pretty decent." And then I talked to the neighbor, and he thought his was crap. So I'm like, "Well, I felt better about myself." Yeah. <laughs> it's the neighbor's like telling me how terrible it is. Like, oh, all right, well, it yeah. is good to have realistic expectations this time of year and really think back. Cold. Cold May, cold start, you know? cold start, and then hot, hot I, and dry in August. I mean, just I, I did spend most of the summer trying to be as modest as I could I, because I, I think I think we got in this like thing like, well, we planted on in April, like yeah, we're gonna we have, bu- have bumper bester, crop, and it's yeah. like, yeah. but it was forty degrees in June. Yeah, so it was, it was a month later before it emerged. That's, well, <laughs> that, it doesn't matter when you plant when it's yeah. not out of the I ground. Play, I played a lot of the really modest and like devil's advocate for some of that stuff, like just. Let's hold. Let's hold our horses here. Let's not. Uh, let's not say we got four hundred bushel corn. Is hold your horses the egg idiom of the week? Not, it is not actually. <laughs> oh. It was. It we're you could use a egg idiom that we've used before. Don't. It was don't count your chickens before they hatch. hatch. Like yeah. hey, well, it's it's Fourth of July. It's a long time before this yeah. is in the bin. Let's you know because it was it it was really good. Uh, it seemed really good at, at times this summer, and then you had to remind yourself it was forty degrees. Uh, in June. Well, and looking back, I remember, you know, it's cold, but guys were going, it was dry, and I was like, yeah, all right, you know, this is the right thing. And then you had one or two guys that are like, ah, no, I'm going to wait. And it's like, all right, but if it gets wet, like it normally does, like you're going to get screwed. But it, it turned out this year their emergence was almost the same, you know, yep. three weeks apart planting, but it's coming out of the ground at the same time. So, you know, it's hard hard to remember or hard to think of that in the moment. Like, you know, just be patient, let it go. Like, it will work out, and yeah, it it didn't seem to matter much this year. This good. is good time here. Then we're talking about what how we failed and what didn't work is 
what was this season related? You know, what, what can we say that was weather and we're not going to change for next year? Going back to the grass herbicide thing, like we talked about, is a lot of those things. I don't think you make a change for next year. It's going to really matter. That was sort of 2020 dependent. It's not something go forward. It is a good time to think about, though, like what in your management isn't weather dependent, isn't, is something that where you, you truly missed a window for something or, or had a problem that, that you should fix for next year. This is a good one that I had a conversation with a guy um, two weeks ago. He said, we planted late. And I said, yep. He goes, I can't do anything about that. And I had, I, I said, well, we put on spring manure at a pretty high rate. That definitely delayed your planting because now we had wet soils. So it, it is a management thing. You know, sometimes wet is a management thing and not just like a uh, environmental thing. So that's something to maybe, you know, that I see going forward that this year we had a pretty good trial. It was dry and we still, after putting on spring manure, had delayed planting. So you go that way and something to think about well yeah and this this was a catch-up year for manure too we've we yeah. had two really bad falls and you know we had a drier spring where we actually had the opportunity to kind of catch up a little bit so hopefully going into next year with the drier fall i mean obviously we've had rain recently now you know guys have gotten their manure out and they won't be in in such a need to get out that spring manure i think, that, this I think that's a good point is we are at a way better position in fall of 2020 going into 2021 than we were fall of 18 and fall of 19. Mm -hmm. So that's always is we're off to a better start for next year than we've been in many seasons, which is exciting. A manure hauler that I'm relatively um, closely, closely in, in, uh, I see him quite a bit. I get to talk to him. Um, He picked up bow hunting this year because they were so far ahead of manure. He had time off. So he picked, usually he gun hunted because that was the first, you know, time he had to breathe. Sure. He's he bow hunting. He got a buck already this year. Like he's like this is great. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so that should paint a picture to how how far ahead we got. We yeah. got a lot out early in the season and it was awesome. So. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to cover before we move on? I can't wait for next year. Is it? You're just you're already pumped for 2021. Corn corn and beans are all off for this year. Let's get ready for on next to 2021. Year. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, move. Keep her moving. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we'll move into our spotlight. Keep her moving into the spotlight. <laughs> so today's spotlight is some new John Deere tech that will take the guesswork out of Guess Rose. It's John Deere Autopath, and it is now available from John Deere dealers. And there was a Iowa fa- Iowa farmer named Bart Harris who had a lot of doubts you know, the Duraco and everything in that area um, about how he was going to even have a shot at covering his corn or getting his corn off the field. And he happened to be a test cooperator for this autopath. And so what it does is it maps planted rows during the initial pass of every field and removes the need to establish traditional AB guidelines. So it gives you that opportunity to kind of manage your field as is, um, obviously check rows, guess rows. We've you can have issues where all of a sudden you've got, you know, thirty inches, forty inches, twenty four inches. You know, with planting, it's it can be kind of an issue. But while actually mapping the rows gives you a little bit easier time 
going out there and finding those rows, especially when you have down corn. So it made his harvest easier um, without rows to see. He still had the map of where they were. And so with corn that's less than two feet off the ground, he was still able to kind of get something out of a bad situation. There's a Farm Journal AgWeb article about it, and the picture is just unreal because it literally looks like he's combining just, you know, it's just a, a rat's nest of corn all mixed together that you'd be like, let you can't combine that. Like, you're not going to get anything. And obviously with this technology, you can kind of see a couple cobs, you know, just must, you know, just riding up over the snoots and kind of getting in there. And obviously he's getting something off of there and this technology is helping that. I mean, we talked about zeroing a lot of these fields out altogether. So if he's getting 80% or even probably even 50%, like you should still better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I mean, it's good technology. It's a great time for it to come out. We got plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of places to test it. It sounds like so. Yeah, good. A lot of good data out of it this this fall down in Iowa. I wonder how much harder it would be because you know that Duraco is straight line, you know, one direction. Yep. I wonder how hard it would be to combine a tornado yeah, sure. where it's you know going in every which just direction. Twist it around. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if this would even help. I would think it would. There, you'd be able to figure it out. Well, even, you know, we've seen hail damage in fields where, um, and this it was actually a variety split that time on one of your fields, Todd, that mm-hmm. one side looked like, looked awful, and the other side kind of held together a little better. Well, you get to that split, and you're dealing with two different things that, you know, makes management more difficult when you have different conditions in, in the same field. So, so yeah, it was kind of interesting little piece of technology from John Deere. Thanks, John. <laughs> so now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love that banjo. So today we're going to talk about the Federal Farm Loan Act of 1916. So it created a cooperative land bank to provide loans to farmers. Legisla- legislation during the 1930s expands the farm credit system, and today the FCS is a 50-state network financial cooperatives with assets of 90 billion dollars billion dollars one million dollars no so uh, just over a hundred years ago we had the the creation of the precursor to the fcs and now you know today obviously we're getting lines of credit operating loans and everything else through that system so this is where your money comes from keeping agriculture moving all right, keep her moving. We appreciate all the listeners out there. If you like what you're hearing, please go to naicc.org, and there you'll find an independent crop consultant in your area. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please, all we ask, all we're asking is tell a friend. Tell a farmer friend, be like, yeah, you don't want to listen to that fuzzy radio where you got to spin that dial and try to get in all the, the fuzzy stuff. And there's no egg talk on the radio anyway. So why not tell them about... This cool new thing on his phone where he can listen to a podcast. All he's got to do is download a podcast app and then punch ours in and he's all set to go. So please tell a farmer friend to listen. Matt, where can they follow follow us? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right, you guys ready to do some current events with our cool beans that's corny? Heck yeah. 
All right. Whoa. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. This is my favorite article of the year. I just want everybody <laughs> to know that. I love this when this comes out. Every year I get so excited. Okay, continue. So cool beans for this week is President Trump to pardon Iowa turkeys. So every year the president issues a pardon to a turkey around Thanksgiving. So the annual presidential pardon will take place next week. So this year's turkeys come from Iowa farmer Ron Cardell. I think, I feel like getting your, I wonder what's what's a cooler feeling, having the White House Christmas tree be bought at your farm mm. or having the turkeys that are pardoned. I wonder what's like a cooler, like. Does he come out to your farm usually to pardon the turkeys? I, or is it, I, think, I thought they always brought turkeys to the White House. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Well, for sure, he's not going to any farms right now. He's pretty boss to bring turkeys to White House. I mean, a tree is, but like these turkeys are going to like. They're both cool. Are they like just running around on the White House lawn in the gates? I, I think they have, yeah. Like, a, yeah. I don't know if they fence it in. I don't remember. I've, I've seen picture, you know, the pictures that come afterwards um, where, you know, the turkey's standing on a thing or whatever. But yeah, I'm sure they, they keep them in, a, in some sort of pen right up yeah. until it's time for the pardoning. Two things that I really like about this guy. Okay, one, he's from Walcott, Iowa. So if you listen to Sirius um, Satellite Radio, you hear him talk about the giant truck stop in Walcott, Iowa, that has like the, they have like a chiropractor and a dentist oh, and all really? stuff at the truck stop. That made me laugh because Walcott. Anyway, the other thing is, this pardon's a really big deal this year because there's a much higher demand for turkeys because of coronavirus. Yeah. So when we were talking last week, is this going to send um, demand up or down? Apparently, coronavirus sent turkey demand up. So it's a good news for the turkey growers. Did you hopefully. see that Purdue released the turkey nuggets? No. So I, you called it like instead of chicken nuggets, it's turkey nuggets. Yeah, they're the turkey, turkey nuggets. nuggets. We, uh, my roommate has been making turkey nuggets himself, and they are they are the bomb diggity. Huge fan, huge fan of the deep fried turkey nugget. So anyway, I do. What would you call the turkey nuggets? They, they got a cool name. Max and our gobblers. Ooh, I like got. Ooh, gobblers is actually maybe a little giblets. Bit. Giblets. They are <laughs> Purdue thanks nuggets. Thanks so, nuggets. Yep. So instead of like Thanksgiving, mm, it's thanks nuggets. Not a fan. Not and, a fan of that name at all. <laughs> and what I mean, took one right to the thanks nuggets. That that is about there you go. I like your what'd you call them? Giblets? No, no gobblers. 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 Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I said giblets. Giblets. Get, me, I think get me a bag of gobblers. They're, they're limit <laughs> limit it's one like, bag per customer. Can you run to the gas station and get a bag of gobblers yeah, quick? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're coming over. Get some gobblers, man. Can I get a bag of gobblers and some Marlboro lights, please? <laughs> it's the holidays. Uh, yeah, no. That's funny. But anyway. So there, there's a dark meat nugget and a white and meat. And a Dang. And, yeah, it's a limit one bag per customer, but they're already sold out. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it's a limited was, limited yeah. offering. we got to go up to Barron and see if they have them at the Jenny Old Factory. <laughs> All right, and our, that's corny for this week. Uh, Denmark to cull 17 million mink amid COVID mutation concerns. So apparently mink can carry the coronavirus and there may be a mutation. So Denmark said, you know what? We're a big mink producer, but we're going to wipe out all the mink in the country. And so 17 million mink are going to get euthanized. So for your guys' information, I was, I was doing some research 
it takes approximately 50 to 60 mink to make one coat. Sure. So if they euthanize 17 million mink, do you want to know how many coats that is? Yeah, how many coats are we we're losing out on? No, we're going to get them. getting, I, I think say. we're yeah, going to get right, them, right? Getting. 309,091. Wow. So over 300,000 mink coats. I mean, mink coats are going to get cheap. Yeah. Very excited. No, uh, Hopefully there's a big enough refrigerated area to keep them in because I think... I don't know if is mink one of the ones because wasn't that always the thing with fur coats they had to be kept like cool and okay to cure or something or no just like when you so they don't rot oh sure sure like if you're gonna wear fur because I I seem to remember that being a thing like you had to have special special store it like you couldn't just leave it in your closet I feel like even to make all these coats is gonna cause a you know I'm sure the supply chain is not set up for all of them to be ready at one time. And being they're worried about viruses, are they going to like bleach them all? So you've got, yeah. are they all going to be the one color? They'll have to start dyeing them in different colors. So it, it says there's been 12 people infected total with that's been traced back to the mink farms where they, like, that it came from this mink strain mutation. So 12 doesn't sound like a lot, but at the same time, like, I thought that too. Twelve doesn't sound like a lot, but also if it's a new strain, it sounds twelve uh, sounds like a crazy sounds like a crazy low amount to kill seventeen million mink. Yeah. But at the same time, I think they're trying to stop because this. I don't know if this new strain is supposed to be more dangerous or whatever. But the less mutations, I know, is probably better, right? Or, yeah, the more it mutates, the more potential there is for like you know we've obviously in the news. There's been a couple of vaccines that come out now that are. 90 to 95% effective in, in testing. Uh, adding another mutation means they've got to go back and test it on that again. Yep. And yeah. If it if it doesn't work as well, then... This just eliminates that strain like, right. altogether. That'd be crazy. But yeah, looks like they are still in the bottom there. It says ongoing studies are trying to determine why minks happen to be such a good host. It does say, too, that... They've traced hundreds of cases tied to mink farms. Oh, okay. So but, it's but only 12, twelve of this new strain. That, right. Gotcha. Now, now that I have my doctorate in epidemiology, I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really like this week. Uh, sometimes on the cool beans, that's corny. All we have for cool things is markets, or all we have for corny things is markets. <laughs> this week we got two like yeah. pretty good little, pretty good little. Snippets of news. Turkeys and mink. We're, we're expanding we're really, our, yeah, our we're, animal horizons. We're getting away from the corn and soybean markets and going to turkey and mink. <laughs> all right. Now we'll wrap it all up with our egg idiom for the week. So, Max, what do we got? All right. So our egg idiom of the week is like a bull in a china shop, which I think everybody's heard this before. This is not like uh, when we did rough as a cob where that was a new one for me. But um, so... Bull in a china shop most often refers to like a clumsy person, but uh, you know, someone that's hard on things, rough. Uh, well, you can, I mean, the imagery in your head, you know what a bull's like, you know what a china shop is like. Put those two together, and you're gonna get some broken glass. Yeah, the expectation is that you you wouldn't have much china left if the bull once <laughs> the bull went through. <laughs> None that you could eat off of anyway. <laughs> so, not a safe place for dishes. That's sure. That's for sure. So, yeah, our get him of the week. All right. So that'll do it. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked about planning for next year, finishing up your season this year, looking at what worked, what didn't. In our spotlight, we looked at John Deere Autopath, some new technology coming out of John Deere. Ag History Minute, the Federal Farm Loan Act of 1916, which 
eventually would give us the farm credit system. Cool beans, we talked about the president pardoning some turkeys for Thanksgiving, and that's corny, was the elimination of mink in Denmark due to coronavirus. And we wrapped it all up with like a bull in a china shop. So don't be like a bull in a china shop. That's why we can't have nice things. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.